Emerald Audio. Episode 5, Strange Bedfellows. Lissy woke up slowly, aware it was daylight only by the thin stream of light that made its way through the heavy blackout curtains. As she swam up to consciousness, she turned her head, sensing another body in the bed. With some shock, it wasn't Mickey, the sexy but dangerous uncle who she found asleep beside her, but Craig, the 17-year-old punk rocker. She was still in the clothes she'd had on the night before, with no recollection of how she got up to bed, what Craig was doing there, or what the hell had happened the night before. She closes her eyes as bits and pieces, like odd disjointed scenes from a movie, start to come back. She remembers locking herself in the bathroom with Mickey, her whole body itching with anticipation as he heated up the smack. (laughs) All right, you ready for this? (sighs) (laughs) Then... The sweet relief. The warm blanket of loveliness that settled over her as she inhaled the smoke slumping back against the door. (sighs) Oh, jeez. You're awake. Hi. How yourself, big boy? Nothing happened. I swear. You seemed a bit out of it at the end of the night last night. And I was worried, so I stayed with you. Not... not like that. I would never... I was just teasing you. What do you mean you would never? Am I that distasteful to you? What? No. You're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. (laughs) I'm old enough to be your mother. You'd never fancy a woman like me. And nor should you. You should be out finding someone young and lovely. Well, what if I don't want someone young and lovely? (laughs) Shall I make breakfast? No, I'll make it. You can cook. I can make pancakes. Do you have maple syrup? Of course. Leave it to me. Coffee? Wow. You know how to make a woman feel special. I'll have to keep you around. Yeah, sure. Hey, Charlie, good morning. Morning. You all right? Yeah. Hey, that's a Millennium Falcon, isn't it? It's the Millennium Falcon. It's Han Solo's ship. Oh, I know it's Han Solo's ship. I also know he couldn't fly without Chewbacca. You've seen Star Wars? Three times. So far. Your mom let you see Star Wars three times? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. She sure did. My mom won't even make breakfast unless my dad's here. Well, I got that covered today. You like pancakes? I love pancakes. Can I help? Sure. Can you find a mixing bowl? Eggs. Milk. Here's a bowl, and here's flour. And chocolate chips. Chocolate chips, huh? What would your mom say about that? She would say, Craig, 
We all have our vices. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. Can you find baking powder? Do you know my dad? Uh, I don't. I only know your mom. Did you know my mom is from Sweden? I did know that. I've never been to Sweden. I really want to go. Want to know why? Of course. The Northern Lights. Uh, yeah. The Aurora Borealis. I'd like to see them too. Do you know how they happen? They're energized particles from the sun that slam into the magnetic field around Earth. Wow. I guess homeschool is working out for you, huh? Yeah, but I miss the bus. That's fun. But after that, it's all a bit boring. I think I prefer being at home and doing school at home. Does your mom teach you? Sometimes. She helped me build a habitat for the tadpoles I caught with Paula. Who's Paula? My nanny. Mom says she took another job, but I heard her on the phone the other night. She said there was some bad juju in this house, and she wanted to get the hell out. Wow, that must have been tough to hear. Yeah, I miss her, but I mostly feel bad for our tadpoles. I kind of needed her help with them. What's juju? Uh, it. I think it's a kind of candy. I can help with the tadpoles if you want. Really? Yeah. I had a turtle for a while. It's the same thing, right? <sighs> oh, Craig, you have so much to learn. As Lissy pulled herself together that morning, she thought about her recent readings of Alistair Crowley and a series of strange occurrences that had been happening around the house. More than once. She'd woken with a start in the middle of the night, shaken by odd, inexplicable noises. But she could never be sure if she'd actually heard something or just dreamt it. Other times, she'd be completely alone in the house and become suddenly wrapped with the feeling that someone was in the room with her. Then, of course, there was the dude with the big bag of smack who showed up at her house two days after she finished detox. The occurrences didn't scare her, but it was all a bit odd, and it left her wondering, could Charlie's demon be more than just a dream? Was it possible that something had happened with the Ouija board? That some sort of evil could have descended upon the Villa Hellebore? Breakfast is served. Breakfast in bed! Oh, look at these two beautiful boys. Are those chocolate chips? <laughs> Later on that day, Lissy spied Charlie showing Craig the aquarium they'd set up for Charlie's tadpoles. It filled her heart to see how quickly these two boys had become friends. Furthermore... It proved that her son need not depend on Jimmy and Paula for friendship. It was good that Craig was here. Good that he was a bit awkward, a bit shy. Charlie needed a young man around, a big brother who could teach him how to make his way in the world. In fact, Lissy realized, Craig was the perfect solution to both Jimmy and Paula. Craig didn't want to replace Lissy like Paula did, nor would he skulk around and undermine her like Jimmy. In his father's absence, having another man around would be good for Charlie, and it seemed like Craig was the perfect man for the job. It was almost as if the gods had sent him to her. For a second, 
She thought about the Ouija board and laughed. No, there was nothing but good in her life right now. So we scoop them out of the aquarium. Uh-huh. We put them in the bowl. And then you pour one quarter to one third of the water out of the aquarium. All right. Just like in the bushes? Yeah, that's fine. Then we fill it back up with water from the pump. Because you can't just use regular water. They need the algae. You two are looking rather uh, industrious out here. We're getting the tadpoles new water. If it gets too dirty, it can clog their operculum. Heaven forbid. Is Craig helping you? Kinda. (laughs) Well, that's good. Because I was thinking of offering him a job. A job? Yes. As Charlie's caretaker. Wait, like, I would come hang out with you guys? Every day? Well, Paula was a live-in caretaker. If that wouldn't be too much. You want me to live here? I think it could be nice. You'll have your own time and space, of course, and your working hours would be spent doing stuff like this. A chore or two here and there, and then it's all pancakes and Star Wars. Say yes, Craig. Say yes. The tadpoles need you. (laughs) I'm in. Wonderful. Yippee! Come on! We'll get you the best room in the house. It's right next to mine. By the end of that first day, Craig had made himself useful by cleaning up the branches that had fallen outside in the windstorm a few days ago, stacking the fireplaces, and most importantly, keeping Charlie occupied and out of Lissy's hair. It was a perfect setup. This was indeed the universe looking out for her, Lissy realized. Maybe it was Lilith looking out for her, or Eris. Either way, It was a good sign that Craig had come into their lives. Not only was Charlie obsessed with him, not only did Craig willingly fetch and carry, do pretty much anything she wanted, he brought Lissy drugs whenever she asked. She wasn't going to do the hard stuff anymore. The other night was an aberration. But there was always coke for the daytime and lovely quaaludes for the night. On top of All that, Craig was a good substitute for a father, at least for now, while Eddie was touring and increasingly out of touch. He was always difficult to get hold of when he was away, but since their most recent tryst, Eddie hadn't called once, which she would admit to no one but herself, left Lissy just the slightest bit unsettled. Hello? In here. Look at all these decorations. Is it arts and crafts time for Charlie? No, it's arts and crafts time for me. Oh. I'm throwing a party for Alistair Crowley's birthday. The 19th century occultist? Mm Mm-hmm. Are you sure he'll be able to attend? In spirit, absolutely. Here, help me hang these pentagrams. Okay. Tell me there won't be any satanic rituals. (laughs) (sighs) He's so misunderstood. He was a brilliant man, not a satanist. 
Don't worry. Only the teeniest, tiniest, most harmless of rituals. And, speaking of brilliance, or lack thereof, the chandelier in the hallway keeps flickering. Could you have someone take a look? The boys think it's a demon, which is ridiculous, of course. I did a cleansing spell days ago. Of course. The boys? Did you give birth in the last week? <laughs> Charlie and Craig. Kathy, it's been the most blissful week of my life. Craig is such a help, not just with Charlie, but with the house. He's really... he's given me time to work on me. Well, that's wonderful, Lizzie. I'm glad to hear you're getting serious about sobriety. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, have you heard from Eddie lately? Haven't you? I haven't, actually. Which is why I'm asking if you have. Oh, uh, I don't know. Here and there. Here and there? Is he your boss or your estranged uncle? <laughs> he is my boss. So, you know, I, I do hear from him, but not a lot. Not often. Just, you know, a normal amount of hearing from my boss. Kathy? Mm, yes? You're hiding something. <laughs> no, I wouldn't hide something. Why would I be hiding something? Kathy, I am Lizzie fucking Ellery, queen of the groupies and destroyer of men. And if you do not tell me what is going on with Eddie, you will also find yourself locked in a keyboard case on your way to the cellars beneath Madison Square Garden. All right. If you haven't heard from Eddie... It's probably because the last time he called over here was the night of your little get-together. Shit. Someone picked up. He could tell there was a party, and he assumed that meant you were using. Then he called me, and he was not happy. What did he say? He asked me what was going on, and I told him, I told him, and I am totally on your side here, Lissy. I told him there was nothing going on, but he was still just so upset. So what? He's not going to talk to me? What's that accomplish? He's just... No. He's scared, Lissy, of losing you. I'm sure he'll call in a few days, just... Maybe take it easy till then. I know you're off the hard stuff, but why don't you kick it all, huh? You know, there are people who are really into the natural stuff. Homeopathy, plants and herbs. Marijuana is a plant. It's natural. When I want advice on how to let the best years of my life pass me by, Kathy, I'll be sure to check in with you. But when it comes to handling my husband, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, excuse me. I was just trying to help, but since you've got it all figured out, I will be about my business. Good idea. As Lissy made preparations for Mr. Crowley's party, she couldn't stop thinking about what Kathy had said. She'd had no idea Eddie had called, that he'd been tipped off while she was up in the bathroom doing heroin with a total stranger. Fuck. Why hadn't she unplugged the phone? Such a simple thing that would have saved her. 
Next time, she'd be more careful, thoughtful, clear-headed. She went to her room, took just two judicious hits off a joint, and settled in on her bed, curled up against the mountain of pillows. Hotel. Yes. Can I have Mr. William Wordsworth's room, please? Ah, of course, ma'am. Uh, one moment. Hello. Well, well. If it isn't Mr. Wordsworth. Who's this? Mrs. Wordsworth. Lissy? <laughs> of course it's me, baby. You haven't called. Are you mad at me? Because of the other night? I just had a few friends over. It was a nice, quiet night. Right. I'll make it up to you. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. I'm in our room. In our bed. Mm-hmm. And I'm really missing you. Oh. I'm wearing that black lace bodysuit from Villefranche. Yeah? Yeah. But I need to take it off. <laughs> Eddie? I'll have to stop you there. That's too much. Who the fuck is this? Who the fuck else would answer Eddie's phone in his hotel suite? <gasps> Jimmy? <laughs> fuck! Jimmy! Where's Eddie? I want to talk to my husband. He's asked me to handle his calls for the rest of the tour. He's got a lot on his mind, that one. Whatever's on his mind, it isn't more important than... Than you. He's been plenty patient with you, Lissy, for years. The drugs, the rehab. You're having phone sex with other men, apparently. Jimmy, you fuck! He's my husband, not yours, all right? Get that through your thick little head. He's mine. He loves me, not you. You're his butler, okay? His fucking butler! (laughs) Lissy was furious and a little desperate. Eddie was her cornerstone, her equilibrium. She was used to calling the shots being in charge. She was used to having Eddie wrapped around her little finger. In truth... Lissy was used to having all men wrapped around her finger, except for fucking Jimmy. Still, rejection was not part of her repertoire. It was completely inconceivable to her that Eddie might have finally, finally had enough. And if that was the case, the only thing that could possibly make her feel better would be an awful lot of male attention. Preferably on an epic, public scale. What is going on in here? I thought the birthday party was not until... Finally. Where have you been? I need a babysitter for Charlie. Or maybe you can do it? Didn't you just hire a babysitter for Charlie? Is everything okay in here? I heard disco music. I figured something had to be very wrong for disco to be playing in this house. Thank you. 
This babysitter. This one watches Charlie now. This one is watching me tonight. I am? I need you to be my protector, Craig. Keep me out of trouble. You do? If you need someone to keep you out of trouble, I could... I'll tell you what. If you find me a babysitter, you can come. Consider it my treat. What is going on? You and I are going to the ball, Cinderella. Kathy, we'll also need a limo. And Craig, why don't you call that uh, Mickey guy and tell him to bring some friends? Mickey? A full limo is what we need, my hero. I feel like dancing. Dancing? Studio 54, my darling. Where else? Of course Lissy had been to Studio 54. What famous, rich, fabulous person living within a 50-mile radius of New York hadn't? Which was no guarantee you'd get in, thanks to the famous red carpet and velvet rope. Lissy had dragged Eddie there on multiple occasions, at times with the rest of the band, and Eddie had hated everything about it. It wasn't his thing. The seeing and being seen, the ridiculous red carpet and velvet rope, even though the rope was irrelevant to people like them, opening immediately as they made their way past gawking onlookers, disco boys on roller skates, hopeful jersey boys in plunging satin shirts and gold chains. A bag of coke would be slipped in their hands as they made their way past the line, hugged by Steve Rubell as he ushered them in, treating them like beloved old friends. Not too long ago, Steve had been quoted in the paper saying, only the mafia made more money than Studio 54, a quip that attracted federal attention and a raid that revealed the millions that Rubell and Schrager had skimmed off the club's earnings. Their indictments and the club's future were pending. But for now, the last days of Babylon raged on. <clears throat> Pretty sweet ride you got here, Lissy. Thank you, Mickey. The city never feels quite as glitzy without a limo ride. Yeah, it's a fun ride. Not as much fun as the other night, hmm. but hey. I don't know. It's a pretty nice limo. <laughs> Care for a bump? Twist my arm? <laughs> hey, Lissy, can I make you a drink? There's a whole bar. Hey, kid, what are you gonna make? A rum and coke? What's wrong with rum and coke? Do they have any white wine? We could have spritzers. No, Kathy, they don't. And it's just as well because we wouldn't want anything to get spilled on that skirt suit of yours. Hey, Craig! Grab some glasses. All right. Here's one for the woman of the hour, every hour. <laughs> Thank you. And one for me. And Craig, why don't you hand out the rest, huh? I cannot believe I'm in a limo with Lissy Ellery on the way to Studio 54, wearing one of her Yves Saint Laurent blazers. The blazer looks amazing on you. You're handing out clothes? <laughs> I didn't get anything. I don't have anything in your size. Lissy, give us a toast, huh? Everyone got a glass. Woo! Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, champagne! Yes! Here. 
For me, mm -hmm. I want some. To my husband Eddie and everything he's missing. Woo! Eddie, Eddie. Eddie. Woo! he is he's missing out, huh? <laughs> and did you know he hung up on me? Yeah, yeah, you two, you two, come on. No, 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 not the rest of them, just you. It wasn't a line outside Studio 54. It was more of a crush, a huge crowd of people milling around, the young and the beautiful, everyone else, hope in their eyes and prayers in their hearts. There were girls in spandex pants with page boy cuts, pretty gay boys in denim with open shirts, men with brush moustaches attempting to look cool women in fur coats with glitter shimmering on their cheekbones, all trying to move to the front, trying to be spotted by a small suntanned man with a large smile, Steve Rubel himself, who stood on tiptoes, pointing at the lucky few who were allowed in. Hey, hey look, it's Lizzie Ellery. Oh my God. Guess you're still famous, huh? Guess so. Come on, let's have some fun. Hello, hello, hi, hi. Lissy, Steve. Come on, guys. Excuse us. Sorry. Steve, hello. Lissy, darling, it's been too long. I'm so sorry for all your trouble, baby love. Ah, it doesn't matter what happens to me, baby. Disco is forever. The music pumped, the lights spun, the moon and the spoon hung from the ceiling as Lissy felt a rush of adrenaline, the music coursing through her body like blood. She turned to see Craig. Unusual in this place, not for his youth, but for his punky get-up, his ripped jeans and spiky hair, looking around the room with wide eyes. She danced over to him, putting her arms around the young man and pulling him into a hug. <laughs> what? <laughs> and you thought you didn't like disco? I, I don't. This is crazy. Here, have one. What is it? Everything's better with quaaludes, especially sex. Sex? Dance with me, my hero. She turned and shimmied against Craig, laughing to herself as she felt his arousal. She rubbed harder, not seeing Kathy watch from the edges of the dance floor. Kathy, who hadn't taken any drugs. Kathy, who was terrified of what was happening. Lissy's descent back into drugs, knowing she'd lose her job, lose her pipeline of money and the jewellery she'd been helping herself to, presuming that Lissy would either not miss it or not notice. Hey, you all right? Yeah, just, you know, keeping my eye on Lissy. It's my job. Yeah, she looks like she can take care of herself. Uh, Craig is a child. I introduced them. She's going to destroy him. Not to mention Eddie will fucking kill me if he finds out. I'll lose my job. I don't know what to do. Hey, leave it to me. What are you going to do? Hey, Lissy. Hmm? Yes? Can I cut in? 
We're dancing. Come on, buddy, share the love, will you? <laughs> Woo! Yeah, girl. <laughs> Get it. Okay. Whatever, I guess. Hey, you want to go have some fun? What's the fun? I'm the fun. <laughs> Mickey led Lissy up to the balcony, which looked out over the dance floor, an ocean of bodies writhing and dancing to the beat. He wondered what she was hoping to get out of this evening. Did she want coke? Heroin? For his part, Mickey certainly knew what he wanted, and he wasn't afraid to go get it. <laughs> Craig was alone on the dance floor with no idea where everyone had gone. He didn't trust Mickey, and not just because he was jealous, which he was. Mickey was a grifter who would take what he could, and Craig was worried he was priming Lissy to be his latest target. He couldn't stand by and do nothing, but my God, it was hard to find people in this crush. But he would have to try, he decided, shouldering his way through the crowd, searching high and low, unaware that above him, on the balcony, Lissy and Mickey were getting higher and higher. Look at all those people down there, Lissy Hillary. You are their queen. Hmm, I like the sound of that. So, you want to be my queen? <laughs> Where's your hand going, mister? <laughs> Somewhere it's wanted to go for a long, long time. <laughs> Lissy shouted mm. as she came, her voice hidden by the music, her body lost in the high, the beat, the pleasure. She wasn't aware of anything but pleasure. She wasn't aware of Craig, who had finally found them on the balcony who'd come to try and claim her back to get rid of that Mickey. Lissy wasn't aware that Craig was watching them, confused by the quaalude coursing through his blood and the murderous thoughts coursing through his brain. What the fuck? Lissy also wasn't aware that in that moment, she was breaking a young man's heart. And in the process, dooming everything she loved most in the world. <coughs> okay, okay, you three, but not the guy. Huh? Because he's dressed like a banker. Craig ran the 13 blocks from Studio 54 to the Port Authority <coughs> bus station. He ran past the prostitutes and peep shows, the working women and the johns. But he couldn't outrun his heartbreak. One, please. One what? A bus ticket to Sleepy Hollow. Do you sell anything else? Two dollars. I'll sell you some scissors for that haircut. Asshole. Ooh, you got balls walking through Port Authority at two in the morning. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't have much to lose, so... Everyone's got something to lose, Slick. Whoa. Hey, hey. What's going on? <laughs> hey, listen, listen. I don't want any trouble. I just want to get on my bus 
and get back to my shitty life. <laughs> Your shitty life, huh? Where are you going? Hey, hey! Give me back my ticket. Sleepy Hollow? Fucking Ichabod Crane motherfucker over here. You got a shitty life in that sleepy little paradise of yours, Ichabod? Guys, I don't have anything. If I did, you could have it. I like those shoes. Doc Martens are tough, man. Please, just leave me alone. Dude, this night has been... All right, door number two it is. No, no, wait. Okay, okay, wait. Here. There you go. Happy? Man, you punk rock kids trying to act hard with your weird-ass hair and your ripped-up shit. You know what, Ichabod? I appreciate the shoes, but I'm gonna beat your ass anyway. Wait, hang on. Thanks for the kicks, Ichabod. Enjoy your shitty-ass life. This is Jane Green. For the latest episodes of Rainbow Girl, follow the podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash rainbowgirl or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have questions for us about Rainbow Girl or have any comments on the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at rainbowgirl at emeraldaudio.net. Again, that's rainbowgirl at emeraldaudio.net. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Emerald Audio Network. Rainbow Girl is a production of Emerald Audio in association with Gemini 13. Based on a story by Jane Green, written by Jane Green and Tommy Lombardi. Produced and directed by Garrett Scott for Real Jetpacks Productions. Theme music by Tyler Cash. Featuring the voices of Quincy Dunbaker, Dan Bittner, Tim Dadabo, Jane Green, Jake Hart, Mitchell Hogue, Ryan Cooperman, Tam Mutu, Sarah Natacheni, Sandra Okuboyejo, Jeremy Carlisle Parker, Deborah Rain, Max Roll, Emily Schaefer, and Harry Smith. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Paul Goodrich. Sound editing by Justin Kilpatrick. Executive producers Jane Green, Spencer Brown, and Mark Francis. Special thanks to Charles Steinhauer, Scott Waxman, Jacob Bronstein, David Bibby, and Travis Bell. <laughs>